Honest, real, raw, true conversation and prayer with God. down into the water and when you do the old person dies you come up out of the water as a new creation of Jesus Christ Hey, welcome to Church Experience. Thank you so much for spending part of your weekend with us. Now is a great time to grab your weeklies and head to your seats if you haven't already because the service starts in 90 seconds. I'm here to tell you today that God wants to set you free. Oh, yeah. He wants to set you free.
presence. Pursue a relationship with Him. Grow in your walk with Him. Get closer to Him. Spend more time with Him because He's better. If you want your life to get better, then get around the one who is better. Get around Jesus. Get around the one who has power to change and transform your life. Get around the one who has the perfect grace for you and the perfect love for you and the perfect joy for your soul. Listen, He is better. Welcome, CE family. I can't wait to see how God is going to work through today's service. When you are in the service, if you have some questions, comments, or prayer requests, go to churchexperience.tv connect, or pull out your camera app and scan our QR code. Or if you always want to stay connected with us at CE, just hit that subscribe button down below. We would love to hear from you, get back to you, and be praying for you. CE family, we are ready to jump into today's service. Would you stand with me as we spend some time worshiping Jesus by singing to him? Yeah. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving, Lord. We're so thankful for what you do for us. We're so thankful for who you are, who you promise that you will always will be, and that you never change, Lord. You are our firm foundation. We can stand firm on what your word says, and we thank you, and we praise you for that. Father God, prepare our hearts to come to know you more, to come into relationship with you more. We thank you and we praise you, and it's in your holy name we pray, amen. Last week, I mentioned that our family went to New York City around New Year's. We had a great time as a family, and we learned so much. One of the things that I learned while we were there is that in the 1920s, there was a famous race to the sky. Several buildings were being constructed in Manhattan, and all of them wanted the label as the tallest building in the world. Two of those architects specifically were in a fierce competition with each other. One of them was building the famous Chrysler building, and the other one was building the building at 40 Wall Street that had almost endless financial backing. They were simply determined to build the tallest building no matter what it takes. And the builder of the Chrysler building knew that. And because they knew that, they secretly constructed a 125-foot-tall spire in the lobby of their building. They didn't let anybody know about it. They let the building of 40 Wall Street go ahead and finish construction, and they became the tallest building in the world for about a month and a half. Because on May 28, 1930, the architect of the Chrysler building started hoisting this 125-foot-long spire toward the top of their building. They set it in place, and they became, in a very sneaky way, they became the tallest building in the world. But only for about 11 months. Because while these two were going back and forth, trying to become the tallest building in the world, there was a third building being constructed that you have heard of. And that is the famous Empire State Building. They built the tallest building in the world by far, and they became the tallest building for about 40 years until they lost that label to the World Trade Center. It's crazy what was going on in that time during the 1920s. Everybody wanted to win. Everybody wanted to be great. But somebody, the builder, the architect of the Empire State Building, had the end game in mind. They knew what it would take to come out on top. Beginning with the end in mind changes everything. So many of us get to the end of a project or the end of a season or to the end of a lifetime and we carry such regret. We've put so much effort into building something with our lives. But we get to the end and we look back and we realize we did not achieve what we set out to accomplish. I believe a big part of this is because we do not begin with the end in mind. What if you could begin this year 
with a clearer picture of what God wanted from you when you were finishing 2023. Like, like what if you could fast forward, see the big picture, imagine the purpose that God has for you, and you could begin with that vision in mind today. And not just for this year. Imagine how powerful this would be for our lives. Instead of getting to the end of our lives and carrying so much regret that we did not fulfill God's purpose, what if we could begin now with the end in mind? You know, there's a famous quote that says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And it's true because if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have clarity, it's so easy to miss the target. Well, in this teaching series we're beginning today, Endgame, we want to begin our lives, this season, this new year. We want to begin with the end in mind. And here's a question. I want you to jot this down. The question is, with the end in mind, how should I begin today? With the end in mind, whether that's the end of the season that you're going into, the end of your children being at home, the end of this season pre-retirement, whatever season of life you're in, if you could just imagine what the end would look like, where you want to get, what if you could begin today with that end in mind? I'm telling you, it will change everything. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, well, I, I can't begin with the end in mind because I'm not at the beginning of my journey. I might be at the beginning of a new year, but I'm not at the beginning of my life. I'm no longer in my teens or my 20s. And so how do I begin with the end in mind when it's not the beginning? Well, it's a fair question, but what I would just say is two things. One is that every day is a new beginning. God's mercies are new every day. And some of you feel like you've messed things up so bad. Maybe you messed up a relationship or your family or your career, and you've just kind of given up. You put it in cruise control, and you're just surviving through life. I'm telling you, no matter how much you have failed, God has not given up on you. So today is a new beginning. This year is a new beginning. I'm telling you, begin with the end in mind. It might be a new end than what you'd ever imagined, but begin today. The other thing I'd say to you is that Moses, one of the great heroes of our faith, he didn't really step into his ultimate calling until he was 80 years old. God had in mind for him to lead the nation of Israel, God's people, out of Egypt, out of captivity, to cross through the Red Sea and eventually toward the promised land. This is an amazing calling. It would Im impact untold amounts of lives. It would change a nation in our history forever in our faith. And God did not set Moses about that calling until he was in his 80s. So never count God out and what he wants to do in your life. You just begin every day as if it's a new beginning with the ultimate end in mind of fulfilling God's purpose. So let's talk a little bit about what that purpose is. We're going to look today at a, a story from God's word. Perhaps it's, it's one that maybe you haven't looked at recently, but it's a, it's a powerful one. It's actually a prayer, and it comes right at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. So he's done all these amazing miracles. He's taught crowds. He's done incredible things. And yet here right before he's apprehended, he prays this long prayer in John chapter 17. And he prays this prayer, then he's arrested, and ultimately he's led towards the cross. Now what's interesting about this is from this point on, many of his statements are very short and succinct. But let's look at this passage because it's one of the last times we hear a lengthy teaching from Jesus, and it's his prayer at the end of his life. John chapter 17, look at verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those you have given to him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth, 
by finishing the work you gave me to do. Did you see that? He said, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. I've brought glory to your name by finishing the work. Come on, help me preach and say, finish the work. Yeah, come on, say, finish the work. That's right, God has given you work to finish, to complete. Work that matters, and it's God's work. It's not just your work. You're gonna be the one that's gonna do it. God has work for you to do, but it's his work that he wants to accomplish through you. And Jesus said, I've accomplished the work. I have fulfilled the mission. I have completed the task that you have given me to do. This is ultimately our end game, to please God and finish the work that he's given us, to do all things for the glory of the Lord. Well, his work is a very important statement. He said, I've finished your work. And some people think that work is a bad thing. They think that their purpose in life is something other than work. Maybe for some, their, their purpose is to play, to, to enjoy, to be as comfortable as possible, to be as successful as possible. But here Jesus connects his mission and God's purpose with his really interesting word, work. He says, I've finished the work that you have for me. Work's a good thing. God gave us work in the garden before there was sin. It's part of his purpose for you, his work for you. So the other day, uh, while I was recovering from a, a minor knee surgery I had, I really wanted to be out playing basketball with my boys. They're out playing at the Countryside Rec Center outdoor court. And because I couldn't be out there, I was over working out in this little outdoor uh, thing that they've constructed where you can, you can use your own body weight to build muscle. So for example, you'd sit in a chair and, you, and you'd, you'd bench press, but the weight on the bench press is your own weight. So as you push forward, the chair lifts up and your weight lifts up and you feel the tension on your arms. And as you're doing it, you're thinking, man, I should have ate so much pizza last week, right? Because the more weight that you carry, the harder it is to push up. And so I'm doing my workout and I'm just thinking, you know, this is interesting because I'm, I'm trying to build muscle. I'm, I'm trying to strengthen my body. But as I'm doing that, there's tension. And the tension is what actually builds strength. And some of us are trying to avoid the hard things in life. We're trying to avoid work. We're trying to avoid anything that's challenging. In fact, we'll run from and escape from. We're a very non-committal culture. If anything sounds difficult, we won't commit. Right? It's like, this is the need. This is the vision. It's like, well, that's, that sounds like it's going to be challenging. Let me just wait and see. And we end up being spectators and consumers instead of being out on the playing field because of the work required. But work is actually a good thing because work is the tension that builds spiritual muscle. And if you want to become spiritually strong, then you, you need to be busy doing the work of God. As you serve, you build muscle. We've said many times, I heard this, that if you're not serving, you're, you're spiritually swerving. You know, serving is a good thing. As we serve the Lord, as we're busy with his purposes, we build strength and we build muscle. And Jesus says, I've finished the work that God has for me. There's a great passage in Ephesians 2 that highlights exactly what we're talking about. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, look at this, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has prepared good works for us to accomplish. God has work for us to do, just like Jesus had a work to do. Now, his work was the ultimate work. 
And that's a work, what he accomplished is something that no matter how hard we work, we could never accomplish. He accomplished salvation for us. This is the news of the gospel that Jesus knew we had a problem. We were gonna die for all of eternity in hell because of our sins. And he loved us so much, he wasn't content to leave us in that point of suffering. And so he came and he suffered on the cross. He gave his life for us. He died for our sins. So that when we look to him as our savior, we can be forgiven of all of our sins, all of those failures, all of our mistakes. May even be a whole lifetime of failures. Look, there there was a, a criminal dying on the cross next to Jesus. And he placed his faith in him in his dying moment. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's how amazing God's grace is. And Jesus went to the cross to accomplish God's work, his, his work that's now finished, it's complete. When he hung there and died for you, he died once and for all. The Savior for anyone's sins who would look to him, it's completely forgiven. Anyone who would look to him as, as their Savior and their Lord, humble themselves, confess their sins, and maybe you've never done that before. Today is the day. Look to him and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have failed and, and I, I've tried to create my own new beginnings, but I've just failed over and over again. And, and I know there's something missing in my life and, and that something that's missing is a savior. And you can cry out to him today and he'll forgive you of all of your sins and give you a fresh start, a new beginning today, simply by receiving Jesus as your savior and Lord. It's an amazing thing. But that work, the work of the cross, it's finished. It's done. So, so it tells us there in Ephesians chapter two, you just saw it, that that's not a work we can do. It's not based on our own work, because if it was, then we would brag and say, look what we've accomplished. We would stand in our own right, in our own power before God. And also, if it was on your own work, how would you know if you ever worked enough? And so God says very clearly in Scripture over and over again, this grace that I'm giving you, this forgiveness of sins, adopting you into the family of God, securing heaven for you, it's not based on your work. That's salvation. It's God's work. He did it through Jesus once and for all. And you look to him, you surrender to him. It's not what you do, it's what he's done, right? So, so we're all clear on that, right? But interestingly, right on the heels of him saying that your salvation is not your work, what does he say right after that? Do you see it? He says, but God has created you to do good works for him. He has created you to work. You can't do the work of salvation, but he has amazing missional work for you to accomplish. To go tell other people about this amazing message of Jesus to fulfill your purpose here on earth for God. It's an amazing thing. And we all want to fulfill our purpose. We all want to find God's will. We all want to accomplish great things with our life. That's it's a common human aspiration. You know, I, I learned this in my wife's parents' hot tub, right? So, so hanging out there in the winter one year, and we were in our 20s, and the snow had fallen, and, and there's a couple guys in the tub, and we all wanted to get out and see who could roll the farthest in the snow. Don't ask me why we thought this was a good idea to roll in the freezing cold snow, but it was, it was just this dare, like who would get out of the hot tub where it's all warm and go roll in the snow. And so we would do it, and we'd all out roll each other, and then we'd get back in the hot tub, and somebody else would roll further, right? We were all trying to make the biggest mark, you know, in the snow. And, and so we, we all finished our competition, went back to school, came back a couple weekends later, <laughs> and right when we get to the house, Jen's mom says, hey, come take a look out the window. And we look out the window, and, and we see this this, this mark in the snow that goes all the way back to the woods behind their house. We're like, what is that? And she said, that's where your dad, Ollie, rolled all the way to the end of the yard because he wanted to top you guys. He, he wanted to make the mark at the end of the yard, right? So we were there this Christmas and kind of reminiscing on kind of some of these moments from way back when. And, and my son, Kylan, he wanted to make his own mark. 
Now, there was no snow on the ground at this time, but he still wanted to make his mark. And there was a record that stood from his, my, my brother-in-law. He had been in the hot tub one year. We were there for a week. He'd been there 17 times he got in the hot tub. He loved it. And so my son Kylan says, I'm going to beat that record. And he got in 20 times that week we were there. 20 times he got in the hot tub because he wanted to win. He wanted to leave his mark. And, you know, we all have, like, things that we aspire to, whether it's in your career or your family or your finances, your hopes and dreams. Maybe some of you set goals for this year. Some of you have big aspirations for your life. You know, we, we all want to make a mark. We all want to make a difference. We all dream dreams and have hopes for the future. And it's not a bad thing. But here's what I like to point out is it's not about you making your mark. Jesus says, I finished the work, God, that you have given me. Our purpose in life, you won't discover your purpose by asking, what do I want to do? You look to God and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? That's where we find a bigger purpose. That's why we find something that's that's more meaningful than just our goals and our ambitions, which can be so self-deceiving. Here's the idea. God has important work for me to do. It's a critical lesson. God has important work for you to do. It's his work, and he's assigned it to you. He has something that he wants you to accomplish while you live that's eternal, that really matters in this life. Something that, that he has assigned to you. And Jesus says, God, I, I've, Father, I've finished my work, the, the work that you have assigned to me. Do you really believe that statement? That God has work for you. Once you realize that God has an assignment for you, it, it makes life so much more important. You realize that you're here for a mission, not just to survive, not just to exist, but Jesus has a mission for me. John chapter 15, verse 8. You just turn a page to the left, you'll see this. It's an amazing statement Jesus says. He said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do we show the world, how do we show the church that we're his disciples? Well, we, we bear fruit for God. We, we're, we're successful in fulfilling his mission for us. We get busy with God's work, and that's how we bring God glory. We bring God glory, and we show ourselves disciples by being busy with God's work. So how, how can we bring greater glory to God? How do we know what God's work is for us? And more importantly, how do we know when it's our time? How do, how do we know when? When does God want me to go about this work? How do I go about it? Well, let's go back to this prayer in John chapter 17 because Jesus answers some of these questions. John chapter 17, look at verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus says, I have sent them out behind enemy lines into the world that's filled with sin and corruption and rebellion against God. I've sent them out as missionaries to be on mission for me. And he's praying this prayer to the Father. He says, I've sent them out. Like You you sent me and now I'm sending them. And they're going out to share your love with the world. I've I've commissioned them, I've sent them, and I've said go get busy with this work of God. And, and how do we bring glory to God? How do we give God glory? It's, it's through the work of the mission of God. It's being about his mission that he sent us on. You know, some watches uh, that you have now, the digital watches, they'll tell you if you've been sitting too long. They'll have a little notification pop up and it'll say, stand up. Stand up, you've been sitting too long. Because too much comfort is, is a bad thing. You know, it's, some of us, you know, we, we've been sitting for too long. 
we've been sitting on the sidelines, we, we've, we've learned a lot, and we've, we've been engaged as, as consumers, and we've consumed God's word, and we consume services, and we've been Bible studies, but now it's time to get busy with God's work. And God's tapping us today, and he's saying, hey, as you think about how you want to end your life, the legacy that you want to have, it's time to get busy with my work. And I've got a mission for you as long as your heart is breathing. It's not time to finish the work. It's time to begin again. Begin with the end in mind. And God has great purposes in store for you. Things he wants to do through your life that will impact other lives. And Jesus is praying right here. He's saying, I've sent him out. And some of us are waiting for God to call our name. We're waiting for God to send us. And here Jesus is saying, you're already sent. (laughs) In fact, maybe you want to write that down today. I'm already sent. I'm already sent. God has already sent you. He's already commissioned you. He's already said go. And some of us are are waiting. We're waiting around to get that tap. I don't recommend this, but when I was in college, I really wanted to hear this this great preacher, missionary. His name was George Verwer, and he was speaking at another college 30 minutes from my college. It was a Christian college, and and I I didn't have a way to get there, and so I hitchhiked there. So that's the part I wouldn't recommend, but I hitchhiked there. I got there because whatever it takes. I just want to hear this guy preach. And so I was there taking notes and learning from this guy and just just soaking it all in. And one of the things that he said was so powerful. He said, if God hasn't called you to stay, then go. Then go. He's all about recruiting missionaries and people to go out on the mission field and make a difference for God in the world. And he said, if you're not called to stay, then you should go. Because God's already called us to go. And that just, that just stuck with me. It's like, hey, you know, I'm not going to wait around because God has already said go. So I'm not going to wait around to have the perfect scenario or wait until God gives me all the details. I'm just going to go. And if God wants to slow me down, he can slow me down and he can shut the door. But I'm going to run at it because there's a mission that's important. There's lives that are perishing. Our world is in need. God needs you to get up and go. Some of us have been sitting way too long. And God's saying, today is the day. What kind of ending do you want to have? What kind of life do you want to have? What do you want to live for? What, what do you want your life to really be about? About you? About your comfort? About your own success? Or do you want to make a mark that's so much bigger, so much more eternal? See, Jesus lived for that mission, and we're still talking about it 2,000 years later. Countless lives have been impacted. See, God wants to unite you to that ultimate purpose of his, the purpose that Jesus was about. He said, I was sent, and now I'm sending you. He's, he's already sent you. You're already sent. He says that, we're in the world, but not of the world. We're, we're surrounded by the, the sins of the world and the corruption of the world, and yet we have this challenge to not let our hearts be corrupted, to stay close to God. And how do we do that? He says, your word is truth. You sanctify us by your word, God, is what he prayed. And so God's word, staying close to the word of the Lord, knowing his ways through his word, staying united to him in prayer, staying connected to his church through weekly worship and getting involved in our church family and serving and being connected. I mean, these things kept help keep us while we're in a spiritual battle surrounded by the world. It helps keep us set apart, different. When we become like the world, we want to change the world, influence the world. Not be influenced by it, but we want to influence the world. And so he he sends us out on on mission, surrounded by all these things that could harm us, harm us spiritually. There's so many things that can can taint and corrupt and ruin our, our spirit. But he says, I'm sending you out in this battlefield. Now, I'm a, I'm a terrible passenger when I'm, I'm tired, when I'm sleepy. I'm a terrible passenger. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I got control issues. I'm so used to driving. I don't know what it is, but, but sometimes the general drive, we're driving late at night. I'll usually take the night shift and drive through the night, but sometimes I just can't drive anymore. I'm tired. I wake her up and say, babe, can you drive for a little bit? And So I'll slip over to the passenger seat, and I'll try to fall asleep. But with the slight, I'm telling you, the slightest movement of the steering wheel, <laughs> if she just swerves just a little bit or if I, I hear any noises, I'll wake up. It's just, she'll tell you this. It drives her crazy. I'll wake up, and I'll put my arm on her shoulder. I'm like, are you all right? <laughs> and like, I scare her. I panic her because I'm panicked. Because 
I'm dead asleep, but I feel noise. I think we're, we're going to go into a ditch. We're going to hit something. And so I just wake up like, hey, what's going on? And I kind of panic. And, and so finally I figured out the solution <laughs> this year. I, I, I was in the passenger seat trying to sleep. And so I pulled out my my sleep mask, and I put it over my eyes, and I put some noise-canceling earbuds in my ears, and I just, and I fell asleep. I slept like a baby on that lapel. I, I slept so good in that car, and, and, and I never woke up. I never, never bothered her, right, because I just blocked out everything else. All the other noises, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't hear anything. I was just, I was out. I was out. And, and, and it's really hard to do that in our world, isn't it, because we're surrounded by we're all kinds of things that are distracting us and say, hey, live for this mission, Live for this worldly mission. Live, live for this. this. This will make you happy. This will make you feel good. This, this will make you successful. And there's all these distractions, all these things pulling us off into side roads. And Jesus says, I am sending you out in the world, but you're not of the world. You have this different strand of DNA inside you, this kingdom DNA. You're living for something higher, something bigger, something better, something that's lasting and eternal, something that matters. And Jesus lived with that mission. He was always on point, always on mission, never deviated. And he says, I've sent you out on that same mission. I have a bigger purpose. So don't get distracted. Get up, get moving, but move in the right direction. Move towards my mission, the mission that I, I have for you. And, and here's the thing. How do we know if we're on the right mission? How do we know if we're on the right path? Well, he said it right there in that prayer. He said, God, it's your word that sanctifies us. It's your word that keeps us focused in the middle of all of those distractions. Here's the idea. I need God's word to do God's work in God's way. Let me say that again. I need God's word to do God's work in God's way. So to be focused on the right work, God's work and not mine, and to do it in the right way, God's way and not mine, I need God's word. It's what helps keep me focused. And I mentioned this last year, but we're still here in January, the beginning of the year. I want to really challenge you to refresh your time alone with God as we go into this new year. It's not business as usual. The stakes are higher. Life is short. There's eternity on the line. Take seriously your mandate to know God's word, to study it, to learn it, to spend time in worship and prayer. Don't let things that are trivial distract you from gathering with us in worship every week to be in all mission with God and serving him and knowing him. See, God has so many important things he wants to accomplish through your life, but you've got to stay close to his word. And I don't know what it looked like for you last year, whether it was inconsistent or non-existent, or maybe, maybe you, it went really well, but I'm challenging you again this week. Take it seriously and refresh your time alone with God. Make a commitment. God, first thing every morning, I'm going to get in your word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to study. And look, if you want someone to help show you that, let us know. We would love to walk with you through that journey. We'd love to teach you and help you. We have, we have classes and groups and resources. We would love to equip you. But don't just go on as business as usual. Let God equip you and prepare you for the work that he has for you. John chapter 17, one more time, I want to look back at, at this prayer. In verse 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Jesus summarizes and concludes this prayer with a very powerful statement. He's essentially saying this, and I put it this way in your notes. My purpose is to know God and to make him known. That's my purpose. Some of us are saying, well, what is my purpose? How do I know what God wants me to do? Here's your purpose, my, my general purpose. Now, he's going to give you specific purpose within that. And you'll know it the more you walk down that road. But here's our general calling and purpose. My purpose is to know God and to make him known. To love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the best way that I can love my neighbor as myself is to tell them about the love of God. Make him known. Teach others about God. Share your faith. Serve in ministry. Be a gatherer. Hey, come and see. Come with me. 
getting on mission with God, using your gifts to build God's kingdom, using your financial resources, using your available time, using your passions and your giftedness, your relational connections, using everything and anything that God has put at your disposal to build his church, to build his kingdom, to help souls be saved and lives be changed. This is our work. This should be our passion. This is our thing. Don't be running around looking for some side hustle and something that's gonna fulfill you and help you complete your mission, help you be great. It's not about us being great. It's that there is a great God in heaven who has called us and assigned us and sent us to be on mission for him, to make him known in this world. And how do we do that? Well, we, we come to know him. We walk with him every day. And as we know his heart, his heart breaks for those who are spiritually lost, for those who are far from him. And so he says, go, go out on mission. In fact, these were some of Jesus' final words. We just read his prayer before he was crucified. Well, after he was crucified, before he left to go to heaven, the well-known great commissioning happened in Matthew 28. And this is for you. It's the final passage I'll read today, but I want you to take it to heart. It says, then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's my purpose? What should my life be about in this season? What's my, what should my legacy be? It's, it's to go and, and make disciples, followers of Jesus, helping them find Jesus in the first place so they're baptized and they're, they're coming into the faith, but then also discipling them further, helping them understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus and teaching them to obey everything he has commanded us. Before I pray for you, I tell you the story. We were walking downtown New York City and I really wanted to take my family to Central Park. It's this iconic fixture right in the middle of the city, this beautiful and expansive park right there in the middle of all these skyscrapers. You see this beautiful park. And so there's a few spots in the park I want to take them to. And so we, we, we parked, got out and started walking through Central Park. And, and, and I was headed towards the mall. The mall is like a, a main walkway. You may have seen pictures of it where there's lanterns down both sides. It's right through the center of the park. And it's just beautiful. And so we walked down on that. And, and it had been like a five, ten minute walk from where we parked. And it was cold this night. And the sun had already set. And so it was getting dark. And we're in this park in a strange place in the middle of a big city. It's like, well, let's just make this quick, Brandon. And I'm like, well, I got to show you guys a couple more places. There's this famous carousel another five minutes away. Well, when it was so cold in January in New York, five minutes felt like 15 minutes. So the family's like going along for this adventure, but I'm just be honest with you, it's like forced family fun. Like everybody would rather be back in the warm car driving around the city, but it's like, hey, come on, we're gonna go do this. And so I hike them all the way over towards the carousel and one of my kids is like, dad, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm like, I'm sure there'll be a bathroom when we get there, right? So, so we get to the carousel. Well, because it's January, this thing is completely shut down. So this boarded up, locked up, no bathrooms in sight. So now we got a little emergency because we're further into the park. <laughs> it's freezing cold. I got a kid that's got to go to the bathroom. So we see a light way up ahead. And so we, we walk way over there to this light and they come to find out this is iconic place. This restaurant right in the middle of New York City, Tavern on the Green. And so we go inside and we're walking around this famous place and get to use the restroom and check out the gift shop and, and get warmed up. And then we go back on our walk. And everybody's like, okay, that was awesome. It worked out good. Let's head to the car. I'm like, no, no, no. Guys, there's, there's one more spot. This is, I, I read about it. I, I've seen it. It's in a lot of movies. The Bethesda Fountain. We got, we got to go check out the fountain. And so like, come on, seriously, Dad. Like, come on, let's just go. And so we started walking our, our way over there. And I'm so glad we did. And I think they were too once we actually got there. But we got to the, the fountain. Of course, there's, there's no water. It's all dried up. It's in the middle of the winter. But we walked down in this tunnel. You can see some pictures here. We walked down this tunnel to get out to the fountain. And, and I was blown away by what I saw. There was this guy there playing music and he was all by himself 
in the middle of this park. And there was an occasional person walking by, but there was almost nobody. It was empty in the middle of this city of 10 million people. And this guy's here by himself playing music down in this little tunnel in the middle of a park at night. But I'm telling you, it was the most beautiful music you've ever heard. I mean, it was incredible. It was echoing throughout this, this beautiful tunnel that he was in, right? And he's right there in this amazing place in the middle of the largest city in our country, and he was producing music. It's almost as if it didn't matter what the results were. It didn't matter if anyone walked by, if anybody else heard it. He just wanted to make music, and he wanted to give his best. And man, that marked me, and I, and I love this, this last picture. Actually, my son took this last one. It's just a beautiful picture, and and it just, it just reminds me when I see that picture that we are to give our best, even if no one ever recognizes it. He was committed to his work, to his craft, to his calling, to make beautiful music, even if nobody was there to hear it. They're all alone in this dark tunnel. If, if no one would pat him on the back and say, hey man, great job, wonderful music. It didn't really matter because he was there to do his work, to finish his assignment, to complete the task. And God has beautiful music for you to create this year. There's an assignment he has for you. There's a purpose that he has. He has a great plan for you to accomplish. And listen, don't be focused on if it gets acknowledged by others, if it's appreciated by others. You just keep your eyes on Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm gonna make the most beautiful music I can for you. I wanna complete the work. And just like Jesus finished his work, I want to finish my work this year. At the end of the year, I wanna look back and say, God, I gave my best. I put it all on the line. I pursued with the passion every bit of work you gave me. And it didn't matter what the results were. And if I see it on this side of heaven, I just wanted to complete the task, finish the race, fulfill my calling. And I hope that's your passion this year. And if you can see that vision way out at the end, I hope you'll begin this year, this day, today to pursue it with the end in mind. Because if you can envision the end game, then you can begin today differently. You can begin with the end in mind. Right on? Right on. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for assigning us work to do here on earth, work that matters, impacting lives for your kingdom, helping people come to know your love like we know your love. And God, we're so thankful that you've given this, us this holy assignment to know you and make you known in the world. And God, I pray for anyone today who's struggling with their purpose or their calling or they're trying to sort out what, what is my life all about? Help them to see that, God, you have great plans for them. You have a high calling for them. You haven't given up on them, but God, you're just getting started. And so God, may we make beautiful music for you and with you through our lives. And God, may, may it be a pleasing aroma that arises into the heavens. God, may you be pleased at the work of our hands because it's not for us, it's for you. And God, we just give you all the praise for what you'll do through us as a church this year. We envision great things that you help many people come to follow you, Jesus, and come to know your love. May, may that happen through the, the effort and the work and the prayers and the tenacity of this church family. God, we commit our way to you, and we're just asking your will to be done, your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, God, for including us in your great kingdom work. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Before our usher team comes forward to receive our tithes and offerings and response cards, here's a few important things happening with our CE family. Actively serving not only brings us closer to God, but helps us fulfill our purpose by making a real life difference in others' lives. Through serving at Church Experience, you'll use the unique ways that God has gifted you to help create welcoming environments where He can change lives. There are many opportunities to serve, including music and arts, kid experience, 
student experience, frontline, life groups, outreaches and causes, and operations. To find out more, check the Serving Teams bubble on the back of your response card and a CE leader will reach out with all the details. As our ushers come forward to collect our response cards and receive our tithes and offerings, we strive to see regular and consistent stories of life transformation in Christ. Ongoing impact requires consistent prayers, efforts, and financial investment. When you establish an online weekly recurring gift, you are partnering with your church to help more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ every week. Visit the gift page of our CE website or our app and quickly set up an automatically recurring gift that will have a consistent impact in many lives. Thank you for your faithfulness to God through CE. Thank you for being on mission with us to help more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ.
love today's impacting service. You may have personally made a commitment during the service, and if you did, please reach out to us. Also, if you have any questions, comments, prayer requests, go to churchexperience.tv connect or scan the QR code on the screen. I personally love staying connected by staying up to date on the CE social media on Instagram, Facebook, our website, or even our app. It's been great to share another special service with our CE family. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Have a great week.